Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello, everyone. As you already know, from yesterday's episode, today we are talking about Tuscany in Italy. So shortly, we will go back over to the chat with Bert. However, quickly, I want to remind you of the competition running, which will be a free virtual wine tasting with me. Now, if you're after the full instructions and details, just go to the show notes. However, to be in it, to win it, all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That's it. So good luck, everyone. Now, as with every wine episode talking about a region, I am going to go to my winery of the week. So my winery of the week is Fattoria de Barbie. Now, they have a family history that goes back to the Middle Ages. So the family is the Colombinis. The Colombinis have owned land in Montalcino region since 1352. Now, this is a region in the south of Tuscany. So it's south and slightly to the west of Chianti. And they are known for producing a rather powerful and incredibly age-worthy version of Sanchevese. And this is called Brunello di Montalcino. And Brunello is the name for Sanchevese in this specific region. It's also a different Sanchevese clone. Here the Sanchevese is deeper coloured and a little bit more tannic and hence why the wines can be so long lived. So the Colombinis started producing Brunello in 1892, which was just four years after Biondi Santi. And if you know anything about this region, you'll know that it all started with Biondi Santi, who were originally known as Clemonti Santi. Along with Bondi Santi, Fattoria de Barbi really built the reputation of Brunello. Now, Fattoria de Barbi, they originally owned the Poggio Alamore estate, which is very famous now. That's now owned by the winery Banfi. And they are one of only five in the Montalcino region to have been running for more than 100 years. They're in their 20th generation. So right now it's Stefano Sinelli Colombini. And he's all about new research techniques and innovation. Now, I didn't really want to have to spend the money on a Brunello de Montalcino right now. There is, of course, the Rosso de Montalcino, which is a junior version of Brunello. It only needs to be aged for one year. But I wanted to try their Sanchevese from a region called Scansano. So the DOCG is Morellino di Scansano, and this is actually in the Maremma region, which is the coastal part of Tuscany, in the south still, in the Grosseto region. Now, Morlino di Scansano got its DOCG, the top status, in 2007. A regular Rosso doesn't need any oak. A Reserva needs to have two years minimum oak ageing. And it has to be at least 85% Sanchevese. Now, a lot of people have seen this region as the kind of just cheaper version, something that's a little bit richer in fruit profile, a bit more full-bodied, but also more rustic. But it's definitely getting a little bit more attention, and so it deserves. Let's point out Morellino, just to confuse us as always, is another 
name for Sangiovese. There are so many clones of Sangiovese and one day I think I'm going to have to do a podcast on that. But the reason I like Morolino Descansano is being that little further down south and having these lovely sea breezes cooling things down at night but lovely hot weather during the day. I really like the concentration of fruit flavours and aromatics that you can get with a Morolino di Scansano. So it was 20th generation Stefano who decided to purchase the estate in Scansano in 1997 and everything is planted to Sangiovese and Merlot. And you've guessed right if you think that the wine I have is going to be 85% Sangiovese and 15% Merlot. This wine happens to be aged in oak for six months, so a little bit extra. It's not a reserver, but they've still given it that little bit of oak aging. Okay, how about we give this a little go? Okay, so there's really lovely aromatics of cherries. It's all lots of red fruits, but like wild strawberries. And there's a real nice spice and herb nature. So some thyme, a little bit of black pepper. And actually, a little bit of like warming, dusty minerals coming out of the glass. So like a little bit of gravel, even. Medium bodied, not too rich at all. And lots of red currants, slightly more tart red fruits and lots of tea leaves. And actually some medium chalky tannins. Actually, it's all very medium, medium acidity. Medium length, and yeah, and that medium bodied. But it's really easy drinking, not super complex. That nice little savoury edge to the wine that you always get with Sangiovese. But this I got from WineApp, £16.27. And if you're in London, they deliver within like half an hour. What's not to love there? And plus, I would totally pair this with a spaghetti bolognese. Absolute classic. Right, everybody, take a seat, get ready. It's Bert time. We are going to go and talk about Tuscany. Right, let's talk about a specific region that you have mentioned is one of your favourites, Tuscany. Yeah. Why Tuscany? Why is Tuscany so fascinating for you? Tuscany is fascinating for me because um, I visited the most and I don't know why I've kind of got a bug like with wine and I don't know why but I just keep going back there and I think the year before lockdown what was that 2019 I think in the one year I visited four or five times and oh wow it's not yeah I I got really got the Tuscany bug and I've Mm -hmm. been going there it's the first I think it's the first wine visit I ever did as well was there and um, I went to the north as well I didn't go to the usual place and then in 2019 I went out to the east to Arezzo into the mountains Mm. Um, and then I did the south as well I've never been to Elba I've always wanted to go to the island as well because I've I've, I've tried some wines from there a long long time ago Elba yeah Elba where's that because I know about the Solo de I don't know is it Giglio Giglio because I've had some white wines the Bibi Great wines yeah. um, yes, anyone exactly. court producer everybody um, so I know that about cool, that did, yeah. I, did I pronounce that island right I don't know I'm not Italian but yeah I'm trying to think of it in my head Isola del Giglio okay well this is how we would say it as being a terrible British Isola del Giglio Giglio I don't know I think when G's are in the middle of words in Italian it's pronounced as a J and at the start it's a G and then I's are E's so but where's Alba just above it is it really small no it's much bigger it's probably what like four times the size 
um and it's just above and it's not it's not predominantly um famous for wine and there isn't actually that many vines it's where a lot of italians in tuscany go on holiday ah okay elba elba okay actually i've never tried any wine from there so now it's something i need to do but funny enough you say that so of course everybody this is the land of sanchevese that we are talking about now the expressions of Sangiovese that come out of this region are immense. There's so many different types. But I actually am a bit more in love with just the whole Marima coastal region. I I like the blends. I like the international varieties. I like the warmer. It's a warmer climate there. It's a bit hotter and you get these more rounder, richer styles of wines and as opposed to, say, 100% Sanchevese. So I, I don't know if I've always quite liked the Marima wines. Or are you all about Sanchevese? It's interesting. So I was, I was listing my favourite wines, and you, you know you can't talk about Tuscany, obviously, without talking about Chianti and Brunello, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but there are um, the Super Tuscans. It's such an interesting story. But when um, when you mention Super Tuscans, you just the first thing you picture is, like, big, bold, big names, mm-hmm. unapproachable, you know, Sassicaia, Tinginello, yeah. Um, you know, and they're expensive. You have to wait. You have to lie them <laughs> down for ten years. So, like, even if you can afford them on premier, you can't drink them or touch them for like ten years. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's quite hard. But um, one of the producers I really fell in love with around that area um, is um, La Macchioli, okay. which I absolutely adore. And their vineyards back on to Cinginello. Um, the only difference is with Macchioli, the winemaker who started in the early eighties. He became really, really ill from all the pesticides that the neighbouring wineries were using and decided to go um, all natural, not because of, because um, this is before, well, it was kind of, at the, it was a natural wine movement thing as well, but it, it was purely the thing that made him change was his health because he couldn't farm anymore in these conditions and use these mm. chemicals. And, and um, the second he stopped using them, he, he, he found his health improved immediately, which is, which is remarkable. Wow. But um, th- what they are, they make, um, I think they make five wines in total. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, each wine um, dominates with a different grape variety. So they have some uh, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and a little bit of Sangiovese as well. And um, each different wine is an expression of those grapes, but they do a Rosso, which is a blend of all um, all, all five grape varieties. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic and it's so approachable and you can get the current release and it's smashing. And it's um, a super Tuscan like no other and um, it's farmed really well. The winemaking is excellent. And you, you just get that, that hot, dry clay soil expression that you were talking about and um yeah I, I love those wines they're great so it's not it's not just about chianti um and, and brunello but then some of my favorite wines are actually to the north okay um so the one of the first visits i actually did wasn't to, to um, florence and siena it's to the north to um just north of lucca okay which L- lucca i think is my favorite city in, in tuscany is it um, now okay it's why why it's so beautiful and um it's it's a walled city um it's near or to Pisa, it's isn't it? It's just very north close of to Pisa. Pisa. I've never been. Exactly. But I've been to Pisa. That's as far north as I got. Exactly. So everyone goes to Pisa, flies into Pisa, and immediately, obviously, you head to you know Florence. You head to um, mm-hmm. Siena. Um, you head to San Gimano. You head to Martorcino, which is all east or south. And not many people go north, but Lucca is beautiful. It's an old medieval city. The whole city is surrounded by a wall, which is still there and it's still intact. So you can actually hire a bike 
get a few Negronis and go around the wall. And Ooh. you're actually up on up on a level. That sounds um, fun. It, it, it's beautiful. And all maybe the not too many and... Negronis, right? If you're cycling on a wall. <laughs> no, it could be a little bit wobbly. It makes it interesting. Okay. Um, and, you, and, and yeah, it's such a lovely, it's got such a vibe. And you actually feel like you're in like a film set or something. It's incredible. And all the restaurants are run by, um, you know, traditional, you know, they're all traditional trattorias. Not many tourists go there. It's, 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 it's cool. I really like the vibe there. It's brilliant. And then behind Luca, um, you've got a DOC called Colony uh, Lucchese, which is um, the Luca Hills. Mm. And it's a, it's a DOC and it's one of the first wineries that I visited. And um, they've been making wine there for a very, very long time. So mm-hmm. some of the vineyards date back to the ninth century, um, okay, which that's a while. is remarkable. Yeah, and when you get there as well, because I've seen your hills, all the vineyards are super steep. They've got great aspect. It looks like a proper wine growing region, which is probably why they planted there first. Um, you get nice, cool air coming in from the coast as well. Um, so you get a really nice um, ripening season. Mm-hmm. And um, and they uh, it's a it's a, a vineyard called um, Tenusa Valgiano, and it's um, somebody I've kept in contact with all through the years called Laura, who runs it with her husband. Okay. And um, it's called, um, yeah, they have two wines and they have the Palastori wine and they have the Tanusa wine and they make both the wines exactly the same way. They mm-hmm. use exactly the same grapes, um, which is a blend of Syrah, um, Merlot, Sangiovese. But the only difference is one of the vineyards is 15 to 20 years old and the other one's up to 40 years old. Wow, so you remarkable. get to see the vine difference exactly next to each other in the bottle which is fantastic and they do large format as well which is great with the old finds as well and um yeah they're just such clever winemakers they they try and do as little as possible but the the, the expressions are so pure and the the noses on them are so like they just jump out the glass at you and it's such a beautiful expression of of um of tuscany as well so I, I really love those wines and I think that more people should go north and then you can go around where you're talking about before and get some Vermentino on the border to Liguria mm-hmm. and yeah. that coastline there is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Well, actually, it's interesting you say about Vermentino because I heard recently, I can't remember, somebody head of wherever in Marima, blah, 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 <laughs> but saying we really want to push Vermentino as like the main grape variety of this region. I thought it was quite interesting. I heard an interview, of course, I can't remember much about it. But yeah, they really want to showcase how good Vermentino is here on the coast. And definitely it's getting a little bit more attention. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see if more people know about you know, Vermentino in Tuscany, really. Absolutely, I agree. I guess I guess like most regions like Piedmont, they they dug up all the indigenous grapes and, and just replanted Chardonnay because that's what they thought the markets wanted. And it's mm-hmm. Chardonnay's easy to grow. And But yeah, def- definitely going back to grapes like um, Vermentino for sure. They're, they're great. Um, absolutely fantastic. And obviously, after after spending like a week or two weeks in Tuscany, uh, of drinking Sangiovese, all your palate craves is like an off-dry Riesling or like a beer <laughs> or something. So every meal is like Chianti, Chianti, Chianti. And your uh-huh. palate's like, no, please stop. I can't take it anymore. Uh, but um, they do need more white wines for sure. Well, what in terms of the Sangiovese, because come on, we can't talk about Tuscany yeah. without talking about Sangiovese. Do you, Absolutely. obviously you've already said your favourite region, in, you know, up, yes. up in the north, but the slightly more well-known 
regions. Do you prefer the expression of Sangiovese within Chianti? Maybe a Brunello de Montalcino? I mean, there's so well, many. Brunello, there? Or, or yeah. Vino Nobile de Montepiciano. Oh my God, the list goes on. Yeah, it's huge. Brunello is my favorite. I think that's ah, Brunello. the best expression of. Yeah, I mean, I I, lo- I love the north, and the north's interesting. I just want to kind kind of shine a light on it. But Brunello is the best <laughs> expression. Kid, Brunello is the best expression of Sangiovese out there. There's no, there's no question. Well, it's more that. powerful, um, isn't it? It's that muscular, age-worthy concentration. For anyone wondering, Brunello is what they call Sangiovese in the Montalcino region and it obviously is a slightly different clone there's so many different clones I mean actually I need to do a Sanchevesi clonal episode to be honest because there's so much you can talk about with Sanchevesi really isn't there yeah an aspect and it's, it's really interesting to see what certain producers are doing there as well um and which which part of Brunelli you're actually on because there's some, some really um interesting different little microclimates there as well and um, like, if you want to go traditional, then I think Fellini is one of the best. Okay. Roberto Fellini, um, his Brunanos are, are sensational, um, but that's that's more traditional. And then if you if you want to like find the best expression of Brunano out there at the moment, I think it's Stella Di Campalto. She is an absolute genius. She's okay. brilliant. She's she's just the other side of the river. It's a little bit cooler. She's got different aspect. And um, she talks about the vintages as if they're people with personalities. <laughs> and um, she's like, and she's like, oh, this guy is kind of like, you know, he's a little bit moody and like, you know, he he's, but he's still vibrant and he, she has him in tank and she like almost like talks to them all. And it, I love it, this. It, yeah, she's she's a genius. Um, um, she had a lot of help getting set up from mm-hmm. um, Nicholas Jolly. And um, obviously, um, oh, from the from the Loire Valley, exactly. Okay, um, one of the, the big boys behind the whole movement mm. um, mm-hmm. of natural wine. Um, so yeah, uh, he was a consultant, helped to get set up. But the wines are so beautiful and elegant, and just just to just everything. And our allocation in this country is so so small, so they're so hard to get hold of. Mm. Um, she makes a Rosso. She also makes a really unusual blend of like I think it's eight different grapes. Um, and some are like Sicilian grapes and like it, it's crazy I've met her a few times I met her at, um, I went to the estate she mm-hmm. took me around the vineyards which was amazing and then I met her at Vin Italy and she basically put this class and said if you can name all, all these grapes I'd be very impressed and I didn't I named like three well so I just said oh Sangiovese I was like yeah <laughs> yeah um, but yeah some wild that you'd never expect to find and um, she blends it all together but yeah the wines are really hard to find and she doesn't ha- believe in like good vintages and bad vintages. She just believes in different expressions. And she says she actually prefers the cooler, the the cooler, wetter vintages mm-hmm. because it's a different expression of Sangiovese, and it shows the more delicate side, and you know the more the you know the the more lighter side, and you know, which which I completely agree with. And she's such a, a cool um, outlook on on wine making, and um, yeah, she's she's brilliant. She's so cool. Um, and those wines are just going to go up and up and up in value for sure. She's going right. to be like a big, cool winemaker in the future for sure. If she isn't already. People need to hold them back then. I mean, but this is the thing. With, when you get really good Brunello, I don't know, the the floral nature, the herbaceousness mixed in with that lovely kind of... You obviously have the kind of tart red cherries and the plums and stuff, but it's that kind yeah. of 
figginess and even you know hazelnuts it's just I think they, they, they have some real ethereal beauty to them don't they but of course there's different styles even within um, all the Brunellos but yeah people definitely need to to check it out exactly what's the aging I'm, I, if you go for the Rosso de Montalcino I know that only needs to be aged for one year so you can obviously have a much younger fresher more fun style of, of, of trying the Brunello but I, is, is Brunello de Montalcino five years with I've completely I don't know if you if you remember uh, five years in total. It is, isn't it? Five two, years in total. Two years in wood. Yeah. It used to be more, wasn't it? It used to be like four years, oh, I really think. And I think they used to, it used to have to have a lot more and then they kind of realised, yeah, actually, do you know what? That is quite intense. <laughs> yeah. So five years yeah. total before you can release it. That I think that is one of the, the, the biggest ageing criteria in, in Italy, isn't it? God, I need to go back to my WSET books. It's a lot. Yeah, still. I think, five, yeah, five years, five years Brunello. I think the reserve is a bit longer. So, yes. I think it's, I think it's six. For Amarone and Brunello. Br- reserve. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, you need to be patient yeah. for some of these wines. Um, yeah, but but then then again, you can just go and try Russell de Montalcino exactly. or like um, a producer like Capasso. You can go and just try their um, Sangiovese, which we sell in bottles and jars for a very reasonable price. Oh, yes, um, exactly. Under £10. So you can go and get that. Oh, and that's a beautiful expression from a top Brunello producer. And then you can try... After that, if you get hooked on the, the just the Sangiovese Toscana, then you can, which are just young vines, mm-hmm. same winemaking without the long aging, but just young vines that don't need the aging to soften, to be fair. Then you can try the Rosso, then you can try the Brunello, and then they do a top single vineyard called Rio Castale, I think it's called off the top of my head. Okay. I should really know that. And um, <laughs> yeah, you can try the whole range and like, or you can say like, that's my everyday wine. And then for my birthday, I have like the Brunello or whatever. So there, there is a scale. So like the, it, it, Brunello is great for that because there is a scale and you can get, you can get into it for not very much money, which I love. And we need to point out, what I was just going to say, you mentioned that they can get that wine in bottles and jars. And that is your wine shop that you set up. I, I didn't mention that in the episode yesterday the episode before this is like in a classic car showroom you've just set up a really cool wine shop right yeah it's uh, next door to the classic car showroom and there's there was a little space free and yeah we came up with the concept bottles and jars which is a um a wine and um deli we sell loads of cool bits so it's loads of we, we support a lot of local producers mm-hmm um so there's a lady that lives really locally called power and she makes loads of pickles and ferments and the best kimchi I've ever tasted oh. and you can come get some cheese and charcuterie from cobble lane um and nice like olives like the the, the good stuff um yeah. and nice anchovies and tinned fish and fresh bread every morning but also like a really good selection of, of wine um yeah yeah, well, yeah jack jack uh who, who manages it day to day i used to work for the clove club she's got a great palate uh, she's South African. She's made wine all over the world, and and yeah, she's brilliant. And and, and she and um, takes the lead with a lot of the food and wine, which is great. But it's, yeah, it's a cool little shop. And it's in Highgate. For a coffee, we do takeaway coffee as well. Yeah, kind of that weird East Finchley Highgate, just in between, where there's literally no shops. Um, so that's why the locals loved us when we opened up in November <laughs> last year. Very which nice. is cool. And we had people like Liam Gallagher coming in for his daily coffee. Oh, as you do. Pretty funny. Sure, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. There you go, a little celebrity high five. There you go, everyone, anyone yeah. wants to go where Liam Gallagher goes? There you go. I don't know if that I, actually I puts s- people off or not. <laughs> I can say that now because he doesn't come anymore. He just came in during lockdown for his daily walk. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. he's moved on. That was one yeah. stage of his life, wasn't it? How funny. So there yeah, you go, exactly. anyone in London, 
get up to bottles and jars. Now, going back to Chianti, we actually, I want you to give me uh, a perfect pairing for a... I don't know because they're all so different, but I guess a Chianti Classico, because, you know, the most classic region uh, within Tuscany. You have a Chianti Classico. Let's make it a Reserva, so a little bit more intense. What's a perfect pairing? I'm so glad you said that because uh, this is one of my favourite wine pairings of all time. Oh, how funny. I just think, it's so funny. I was was hoping you were going to say it. Um, Oh, how funny. I promise we didn't plan (laughs) this. I promise. That was just off the top of my head. That's so funny. Carry on. No, so um, if, you, if you're driving around Chianti Classico and you're going to areas like Rada, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Then you've got these little places that only open certain nights or certain nights when the owner feels like they should open up, which is really funny. And they'll normally be quite grumpy and whatever, but the food will always be great. <laughs> I love that. And um, they'll just have like a little fireplace in the corner with charcoal and they'll just cook whatever meat they could get hold of that day. And if mm-hmm. you get a big T-bone steak, a Florentine steak with Chianti Classico, cooked over charcoal it's just one of the best things in the world like people always go to i know you're a big south american fan of course people always but... go to south america with, with steak <laughs> but honestly chianti classico reserva absolutely smashes it because you've got way more tart fruit bed flavors mm-hmm. and with the meat they just work so so well and and they just complement that charcoal and especially if you get some like aged beef um, that started to go a little bit nutty and really gamey and rich you know, and it's got a different yeah, colour to it it's so good that makes sense as well because often with slightly aged or Sanchevese or just the more premium Sanchevese you, the, the tobacco and the smoke and even like I often get tea leaves these kind Absolutely. of um, aromas and flavours in Sanchevese Sanchevese for anyone who really isn't familiar with Sanchevese is definitely a more savoury style of wine rather than fruity it's got the aromatics but it's not I wouldn't put it more on the fruits fruit the fruit spectrum definitely much more about savory and so yeah i can see how that goes with the char and then the smoke of a a t-bone steak Mm. no absolutely and then um you you just drive around those areas and you just you just fall in love with with the local food obviously like so you have like um chingali wild boar um, wild boar they they all just works so wild boar and chianti classico Mm -hmm. so good because it's it's so rich and you also again you get those like deep earthy tobacco flavors and the, the wine just sorts it out and, and sometimes it might be a little especially if it's aged when when the wild ball gets aged it becomes quite overpowering so like some tart red flutes going fruits are going in there and some some you know tart cherries and they just they did just do the job really really nicely and like some nice damsons and yeah mm. they just bring everything to life i really i really love that yeah to be honest as well with a lot of the sausages from what i remember when i was in tuscany i might be making this up but i i'm sure they use a lot of fennel as well in their, do, kind of yeah, their yeah, salami and their sausages and and again that kind of brings out the 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 herbal nature of sangiovese um that kind of the thyme the the rosemary things yeah. that you can often get. Oh, yummy! I, I, you know, I re, I don't drink enough Chianti. Do you know? I again, yeah, as you said, I'm too much South America. I need need to come back. Italy's closer to. Yeah, you do come back to us, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I, if you if you're gonna try a Chianti at the moment, one that I, a producer that's absolutely singing at the moment is on absolute top of his game, is um, Sean O'Callaghan, which he, he's just outside Arada. Okay. He's making um, all kinds of crazy wines. He's also doing um, a, a little field blend like um, Stella's doing. Um, but his um, he's an English guy as well. He's from Somerset originally. Okay. Um, he used to be the winemaker at Ancini, um, which is a very famous county estate. And now mm-hmm. he's making his own stuff just outside of Rada. And his wines are phenomenal. 
again really short supply but um he makes some entry wines which are really easy to get hold of um online um yeah i i check him out people just need to get to tuscany yeah they're great and then i love isa elena as well that's one of my first chianti loves i visited him a long time ago well you've and, given um, a lot of name yeah. drops you're giving us a lot there of work go. i'm just getting excited and now we're talking about chianti i'm just um I'm just remembering all these great places I've visited. Yeah, you were like, go up to the north. You're like, no, actually, you know, I changed my mind. I I remember when I went to County and oh, a long time ago, but the thing about it, it's not just the wines. They are sensational. But driving around it, let's just remember Italy anyway, I swear, wherever you're going to go, it's just on a hill. Everything's on a hill. So it does, <laughs> isn't it, right? So it does allow it for really beautiful landscapes. But Chianti specifically, I remember just going like, trying to go three kilometres down the road would take an hour. I can't remember. You know, you were just literally, I'm probably exaggerating, but you would literally be winding around these roads and up and down these hills with, you know, cypress trees galore and vineyards everywhere, lovely villas and castles on the top of every hill. And, you know, if it's not vineyards, it's olive trees. And it's just the most stunning, beautiful place to go and visit. It really is probably one of the most, I, I, I quite like Prosecco as well because of the hills and I, I really enjoy being there. Course, but I have to say... Yeah. Chianti and it's very interesting I don't know if you noticed uh, or of course you remember you've been to so many places at Tuscany but you do the whole of Chianti you're up and down on all these yep. hills everything's quite yep. close together and then you go south to Montalcino and then it's like everything just spreads out and you kind of look and then all of a sudden they've still got these hills but they're they're wider and it's this more um expansive space and it just so contrasting to drive around Tuscany yeah. is is an experience you're right, and in, and also go to the east, which I needed recently. Go to Arezzo and go up in the hills. Haven't done. And then even yeah, as late me. as spring, they'll still have snow. What it's really? That high up and they're growing and they're growing Pinot Nero, Pinot Noir in it, and they're uh-huh. making um, champagne method wines in it. It's um, I've visited some producers that have just started making wine out there before. I was going to try bringing some in the country, but obviously, COVID had other ideas. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's some some out out east. It's really beautiful and. Um, not many tourists. If you are going in high summer, then obviously places like Montalcini, Rada will be absolutely overrun. Mm-hmm. If you go a little bit further out east to Retta, go in the hills, the wines are still great, but there's just less people, and um, yeah, it's, it, you'll get a different, a different um, expression of, of Tuscany as well, which is always great. God, there's literally so many places for everyone to go, isn't there? But I would say for everybody, yeah. this is my always, this is my advice for Chianti, unless you know the producer generally to make sure you do get a safe and delicious version stick with Chianti Classico the original zone yeah right because this is the pr- <laughs> you laugh because you know I mean it's it, it really is pretty difficult if you start going to some of the other sub zones you I mean if you want the experience have some fun go for it um Chianti <laughs> Rafina deserves a little bit of a tick it's a much hillier sub zone that's what the one of the six sub zones actually produces some quite elegant and memorable fresh styles of of wine but otherwise stick with your Chianti Classico to make sure you get to taste Sanchovese in the right form shall we say unless you're making sangria and then uh, oh and then it doesn't matter crack, then get the cheapest crack, crack open one of those screwed up Chiantis absolutely yeah. <laughs> and fun fact for everybody it was the first delimited region in the whole world the whole the first wine region um, that was in the 1700s I'm not going to say when early 1700s I won't say the exact date because I can't remember. There you there go. Go. Fact bomb. 
I, lo- I do like that fun fact. Um, thank you so much. Um, it's been amazing speaking with you. And I realise now just touching on the surface, my God, we need a dedicated Chianti episode, a dedicated Montalcino episode. Oh, too many. And then, yeah, we haven't even, Absolutely. I mean, then as, as you said, we should talk about the whites. Don't forget, it's not just Vermentino. There's Venaccia as well for everybody. Venaccia de San Gimignano. <laughs> San, San Gimano, yeah. The, um, yeah, um, I can never pronounce the best, it. The best, the best white wine in Tuscany that I've tried is from Issa Oleno, and um, it got flagged by Didier Dagonet as well, one of the oh. greatest wine of all time. And from Loire said, Valley the again. Chardonnay from, from Issa Oleno is one of the best in Tuscany, so try that and try and go in his ca- go downstairs. It's like a bat cave. He's got a um, uh, a, a brick wall that moves mm-hmm. like a Bond villain and you go oh. through and it's so cool and you can have dinner in there so go and visit Issa Eleno as well wow um, okay. and they make they make they make sweet wines as well so they do the uh, Vincenzo method oh god um, yeah exactly we could so talk about Vincenzo try those as well oh gosh there's literally there no time we, yeah, we need to I do think more. we've dropped all, all the types in there yeah oh my god we know we probably haven't that's the problem Tuscany quite clearly offers way too much but at least we've hopefully got yeah. some people salivating and definitely uh, piqued some interest um, and of course Good. it's just a beautiful place to go food wine nature I mean you don't get much better than Tuscany do you no it's it's a very very good first wine region to visit if you've not visited the wine region before for sure amazing thank you so much but you're amazing and i appreciate you taking us on a little bit of a journey and of course yesterday chatting about your wonderful wine book so people now know how to pair food with wine awesome thank you so much i'll see you very soon cheers bye. bye so recording that episode has made me realize how many more episodes we need about tuscany vincento How many of you have had the special dessert wine, Vinsanto, which is primarily made in Tuscany and it's made with the Pasito method, so drying the grapes out on mats? How many of you have had Super Tuscans? We touched on that. Has anybody had Sasakaya or Ornalaya? Do you know the story about that? Perhaps we need to do a Super Tuscan episode. And of course, Chianti. It does need its own episode. Let me know what you want me to do first. Now, we all know nobody can leave until they've listened to the wine quote of the episode. And so I bring you one specifically focused on Italy. And the quote is, in Italy, they add work and life onto food and wine. And this was said by English writer Robert Leach, who quite clearly fully understands that the Italians have got it right. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't shared this episode with a fellow wine lover, please do that now. Do subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, with this competition, no reason now not to write a review. Sending you loads of love and light. See you tomorrow for the next episode of Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat. And cheers to you.